um, looking at what this, this lifestyle looks like when it comes to Christianity. So the past two weeks, doing this series, I guess you could say, uh, the, the example I've been trying to give is being all in for Christ. And so we started two weeks ago with playing poker, but really that was just my example. Because in poker, you, have, you got this thing called going all in. And it's really dramatic. I mean, that's probably the most dramatic move you can do in poker. I don't know. I don't play poker uh, that often because I'm too stingy. But I like the game. But, um, you know, going all in in poker means you take all the chips you have. You're so confident in the hand you have been dealt, in the hand and, and your strategy and all of that. You're going to put everything you have on the line. It's the boldest move you can. Because when you go all in, you put all your chips on the table, you're either going to win big, biggest you could ever win, or you're going to lose it all. And when it comes to Christianity, we've got kind of the same odds, if you will. We're going all in on Christianity, and when we win, we win big. That's heaven. That's what heaven looks like to me. But if we're wrong and, uh, you know, we go all into something that doesn't exist, we lost. Just the fact, Right? You go all in. Christianity is one of those things you can't really sit on the middle of. You know, in poker, you can play a successful poker game by just, you know, putting a few chips here and there in and taking a little bit home at the end of the day. Christianity is not like that. And we live in a culture where we've got a whole bunch of middle grounders that don't really do anything in so many topics. And that was my, my point I wanted to point out. You know, we've got so many people that just kind of sit in the middle and they're safe there. But when you're safe in the middle of not committed or not, or committed to this or committed to that, you don't really do anything. You're kind of not committed to anything. You can't really make any progress, but Christianity is not one of those things that you can sit in the middle and not be committed to. It's something you got to go all in on. And so we've looked at that for the past two weeks, uh, shared some verses um, that are, so you know this isn't just from Harold, but maybe it's also from Jesus himself. We looked at this one in Matthew uh, chapter 6 and Luke 16 how you, you can't serve two masters, you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the others. You cannot serve God and money, that's from Jesus himself. You got to pick one, right? You can't have two masters, you got to go all into one. Or uh, one of my favorite ones was, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. That's Jesus himself saying, you're either with me or you're against me. So how my little brain's got to wrap my head around that is there's only two teams is what Jesus is saying. There's team Jesus and there's team Satan. There's team good, there's team evil, there's team world, and there's team God. You got to pick one. You can't be in the middle thinking that you're just okay enough to get by. You're either with him or you're against him. You're either gathering with him or you're being scattered, right? There's only two teams. So you've got to go all into Christianity. And so last week I brought that application to us and I gave us a, a piece where we can go into Christianity and uh, I talked about the body. A piece that we can go into Christianity on is this weird thing that we call the body of Christ. And one of those guys that I said was so all in is Paul. And Paul kind of comes up with this term that he shares about the church over and over again in the New Testament letters he writes, and he talks about this body of Christ. It's a weird thing, but it, what he describes it as is the body of Christ is like a human body. For as in one body, we have many members, talking about the human body, and all the members do not have the same function. I get it. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, 
and individually members of one another. So Paul talks about this in Romans right there, in 1 Corinthians as well. He talks about being the body of Christ. We've all got different jobs. We all do different things, just like our human bodies. I'm glad my ears don't do the same thing as my toes. That would be weird. It wouldn't be very helpful. Same thing in the body of Christ. We got all these different parts, all these different creative people, all these different gifts. We all do something different to work together as one, the body of Christ. But I also challenged you because I'm still being wrecked by this body part that we have. And I told you the story about how a friend of mine in middle school uh, had to be rushed to the hospital in the middle of the school day because he had appendicitis. And so for 15 years, I've been wrecked by this idea of, like, what the heck does the appendix do? Because the scientific answer is still, I don't know. We don't know what the appendix does. And so same as the human body, the body of Christ, we've got that imagery going on there. I told you, don't be an appendix. Don't be an appendix. Don't be something that sits around waiting to poison the body. But instead, be a productive, helpful body member. Find that gift Find the creativity that God has given you and use it to help the body. Go all in to the body of Christ. Don't just be an appendix that's just there. So that was my challenge. Maybe it offended you a little bit last week, but that's okay. If you haven't noticed, I've got uh, like one sentence each week so far that should offend you, and I haven't been fired yet, so it's good. We're going there. So today I want to talk about the next piece of being all in, and it kind of takes what we talked about on the first Sunday and takes going all into the body and puts it all together. Today I want to talk about being all in committed. All in committed to Christ and all in committed to the body of Christ. If we're all being a functional body part in this uh, body, you know, we're all being something worth using and talking about, we also need to be all in to Christ and through both of those things, we need to be committed and be intentionally committed. Intentionally committed. And committed is one of those words. It's a little scary. It's a strong word, right? We might also compare it with like devoted or steadfast or true. Committed. It's one of those words that you can kind of count on if somebody says it or you say it to them, you have an expectation behind it. You expect them to be committed back to you. So committed is a strong word. I want to talk about it in, in regards to the church today. And I know I go to this piece of scripture a lot. It's kind of my favorite piece of scripture. But Acts chapter 2. If you want to turn there, if you, if you don't have it memorized at this point. But Acts chapter 2, this is some of Harold's favorite verses. And the reason why is because we've just read the entire story of Jesus and the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, we could get the story, right? And then we get to the book of Acts, which I like to call Luke Part 2. It's written by Luke. And he goes from talking about the, the life of Jesus to talking about the life of the church. Jesus has now left, and it's up to the people to be the church. And so by the time we get to Acts chapter 2, we're starting to see what this church is supposed to be. And that's the same church we are today. That's the same church that Jesus left on this earth to live out his will until he returns. That's them in Jerusalem, all of the places that Paul visited, all the way to us today in Wyoming. We're, we're that Acts church. So Acts chapter 2, verse, I'll probably back up to 41 here. What did that early church look like? Read with me here. This is out of the ESV. 
So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all as if as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Again, some of my favorite scripture, I talk about it a lot. I like it because it's like, wow, that's what church is supposed to be. That's what church is supposed to be. But if, if I gave that Acts chapter 2 church one word, to describe them, I would describe them with the word committed. Would I give churches today the same word? Sometimes I wrestle with that, right? But I look at what's happening here in Acts chapter 2 to this beginning of, of the New Testament church, and I see what we should be emulating today. And that's why I like it so much, because that's the guidebook for what we should be doing. But it's because they were committed. It's because they were committed. One of the first words we see in those verses is they were devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Devoted, committed, those work hand in hand to me. So we see not only are they devoted to the apostles' teaching, we call that the gospel message, right? The Bible, it's what we share on a regular basis. Not only were they devoted to that, but they were also devoted to fellowship. Committed to fellowship. Well, that one's a little more of a challenge for us. Everybody says, yeah, we're committed to the gospel message. But sometimes we get a little challenged when it comes to being committed to fellowship. Most of you guys are pretty good, but I've been to churches where they're out that door in 35 seconds after amen, right? That doesn't sound like fellowship to me. Fellowship sounds like people being with other people, Christians being with Christians, and we have that example from them here. We see them acting it out in Acts chapter 2. Breaking of bread and prayer, the things we do together, they were committed to that. But did you catch how often they were committed? Because in my version, I think it reads, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, and prayer, and they were in the temple every Sunday morning. It doesn't say that. It says, and day by day, they were meeting together in the temple. Day by day, they were breaking bread. I'll use the word again. Day by day, they were in fellowship with other Christians. Day by day? That doesn't just sound like Sunday to me. That sounds like every day. So when I look at this early church, the one that I think we should be emulating, I see a church that's committed. Not just on Sunday mornings. I mean, in our culture, we're like, if you're there Sunday morning, 100% gold star. If you're there every Sunday morning for the whole year, that's like bonus points. And if you come in a midweek Bible study pretty regular, that's just like, you're an amazing Christian. But they were doing way more than that. They were committed to the church. They were committed each and every day to the fellowship, to the teaching, to being with one another. Thank goodness it didn't just say Sunday mornings, right? I don't think that would be a devotion or a commitment. So, when I look at the New Testament church, I look at chapter 2 in Acts there, 
and I want to emulate it, I'm challenged by the idea that this was a church that was committed not only to Christ every day, but to one another every day. That's something that I think we get to work on as the church today, being committed to each other every day. And I think it's one of Satan's favorite tricks to tell you that church is something you go to on Sunday. Because if he can trick you into thinking that, you can do whatever you want for the rest of the week, right? But if the body of Christ is truly different members, and we've got hands and feet and ears and eyes and mouths that stand up here and yell at you on Sunday, if we're truly different body parts of the body of Christ, the body doesn't just, you know, close up shop and go home during the week. It's active during the week. It's checking on the other body parts. It's working together. And I don't want Satan to lie to you and tell you you just walk out the door and be not a part of the body anymore. Instead, you've got to be committed all day, every day, like the early church was. But I don't think you're alone if you struggle with it. In fact, I think the church has been struggling being committed all day, every day, for a long time. Paul's got to write to the Hebrew church about it, or I, I didn't say Paul. I, I wrote it down in my notes. The Hebrew author, whew, the Hebrew author says he's got to challenge the church with this. Hebrews chapter 10, 23 through 25, we're not alone in it. The church has been wrestling with this for a long time. The Hebrew author challenges with, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the Hebrew author is telling Christians here, you got to work on this. You got to do this. And if we look at the Acts 2 church, they were committed day by day. Then we come over here to the Hebrews and what they're being told, and we see some positive things, right? Stir one another up to love and good works. That's what we should be doing. But people are still people, and the Hebrew author's got to address that, right? Stir one another to love and good works, but don't do not neglecting. So don't neglect to meet with one another, as is the habit of some. We still fall into that trap today. We still fall into that trap today. We neglect, neglect to meet together as the body of Christ. What we should be doing is doing this more and more as the day draws near. More and more until Christ returns. Stronger body. Gathering together more and more. Encouraging, stirring one another up more and more. So the reason I tell you this Hebrews chapter 10 verse is kind of two parts. You're not alone in being imperfect. Even the Hebrew church was imperfect. We see a lot of struggles that the Hebrew Christians had. You can go read 1 Corinthians. You can spend some time in the New Testament. You'll see some imperfect Christians. But you're not alone because some people, even that the Hebrew author is writing to, some people were neglecting meeting together. And we still struggle with that today. We still struggle with that today. We miss the opportunities we have sometimes. So that's the first part. You're not alone in this struggle. But the second part is, obviously the Hebrew author is telling us it's important. So if you want that one nugget to be offended at today, here you go. 
The Bible says you got to go to church. That's the thing you can be offended at today. Not neglecting to meet together, but instead doing positive things to build one another up. And to boil it down, oversimplified, just go to church, and you can be offended at me for that. It's so sad to me when I see people that are like, going to church is the end goal, because I see it as like, that's just the simple beginning. Like, sitting here in a chair is the simple beginning to stirring one another up with love and good works and to encouraging one another and to being a part of the body day by day. If you feel like checking the Sunday morning box is the end-all, be-all goal, you're missing all the other stuff that we can do after that. Because it's a committed body of Christ that might work together every day of the week. And that's what the call from Jesus is to the church, to be committed. And that's what we see in Acts chapter 2, that's the challenge we see in Hebrews chapter 10. So we got to be committed. But how can you be committed? Well, one of those things that I saw when I was studying the body last week is we've all got these different ways. So if you want to be committed, you've got a creativity and a gift that God has given you already. Use it for the church. Again, sometimes we fall into the trap of saying, hey, I'm good at this. i got to do it outside of the church. Maybe find a way that that can serve the body. That's what 1 Corinthians is talking all about that we read last week. But you got to be committed. Find a way to be in to this church day by day. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be challenging. In fact, Jesus, when he's telling people to follow him, talks about how it's going to be challenging and it's not going to be easy to be committed Luke chapter 9, uh, verse 57 through 62. You might be familiar with these verses. I didn't put them up there, so you've got to look them up or write them down. It's a tactic I use to make sure you're paying attention. Luke chapter 9, 57 through 62. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, to Jesus, I, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, well, foxes have holes and birds have of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to everyone at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Okay, that's just a slice of scripture. You're like, what in the world does that mean, right? Well, to me, when I read that, it's Jesus talking about how being committed is tough. Being committed is tough. The very first guy we see coming along the road says, hey, Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus kind of is like, you don't want to. That's how I read it, right? You don't want to. I mean, foxes, they have holes. Birds have nests. Jesus, me, not me, but Jesus, he's got no place. He's got no home. He's got no safety. You don't want to, unless you're committed, unless you're really committed. He's almost discouraging people. It's kind of a good tactic. If somebody wants to become a Christian, Start telling them how terrible it is to have Satan attacking you. 
See if they really want to be a Christian. Are you really going to be committed? The second guy, Jesus calls out to him and says, follow me. And he's like, oh, I, got, I got important stuff to do. I got to bury my father. And Courtney and I were talking about this this week. And, you know, we've typically read this as like, oh, no, his father just died. Like, that's really sad. I'm like, Jesus, you should let him do that. But that's likely not the case. He's likely saying, you know, my father, he's getting old. So one of these years, in the next 10, 15, 25 years, he's probably going to die. And I'm going to need to bury him and take care of his estate. So give me 20 years, and then I'll follow you. That's not being committed. That's just delaying, right? Procrastinating. It's being committed. Commission and being committed is not something you can procrastinate. What about that last one? He says, Lord, I'll follow you, but I got to go say goodbye to everybody first. Also seems like a valid thing, right? A valid thing. And Jesus responds with, nobody wants someone on a plow that's always constantly looking back. Well, I kind of had to wrestle with that one. I'm not a farmer too much, but I get it now. When you're on a plow, you want to look ahead so you make the proper rows in the field. If you're looking back just ready to get off all the time, you're not going to do a good job. You're not really going to be committed to farming. So the reason Jesus says these three ones to these three interactions here in Luke chapter 9 is he's talking about being really committed. If you're going to be really committed, you're not going to have things in the eyes of the world. Maybe not even a home is what Jesus is saying. He's giving you a, a big example. If you're really going to be committed, you can't delay and procrastinate it based on the things you need to do in this world. You've got to be committed before that. And if you're just going to be committed, always eager to hop back off and go back to the life you had, what's the point? Being committed to Jesus doesn't mean that things in your life don't still exist. It just means Jesus comes before them. And then you bury your father. And then you say goodbye to your friends. And then you find a house to live in. Committed to Christ is the top thing. Instead of the other way around. I think that's what Jesus is trying to say. I've been wrong before. But I think that's what Jesus is trying to say here in Luke chapter 9. Being committed is really tough. But it's what we're called to be. So again, the thing you can take home and be offended by tonight today, or tonight, whenever you're offended, just whatever. You got to come to church. You got to be committed to the body. I think that's the start of a great relationship we can have in the body. You got to be committed. And the beginning of that is just coming to church. But I use this term pretty often. Jesus is talking about how being a follower of Christ isn't easy, and I often talk about the church like it isn't easy, because sometimes it's not. And so I use this terminology, whenever anybody's struggling with, with the church, I say, hey, church is one of those things, you just got to wrestle with them. You just got to wrestle with them. Wrestling, to me, uh, gives me this, this idea of you're both working together, and eventually the match will end, but it's not necessarily pretty in the middle. You're wrestling. You're wrestling with the church. And you got to stick it out, because if you walk away, you lost. But to the church, that's how I, I picture it. We're always wrestling together with all these crazy people. That's exactly uh, what Paul talks about, like I said, in 1 Corinthians. This is a little bit before where we were last week, but this is 1 Corinthians 1. 
He says to the church, I appeal to you, therefore, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you should agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you all be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there's some quarreling among you. My brothers, what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized into the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized no one except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did also baptize the household of Stephanus, but beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross be emptied of its power. I had to put that in its whole context there, but Paul's writing the church in Corinth in this letter, and if you haven't read about the church in Corinth, they got a lot of problems. But one of their problems is they're wrestling. It's a struggle, right? And they're wrestling over this idea of division, and they've got all these different things they could be divided over. Paul uses the example of like, you say, I'm a follower of the preacher, I'm a follower of the missionary, well, I'm a follower of Christ. They all kind of pick their team, and Paul says, hey, Christ isn't divided. You're either in or you're out. You're either committed to Christ or nothing. But he gives us this example of how sometimes we might have to wrestle with people because the outcome should be no divisions among us. And you read that and you might be a little scared because you're like, I've met people in the church. Pretty sure there's going to be divisions among us. I like strawberry ice cream. You guys probably like chocolate. Division. That's not what it's talking about, is it? Paul says right here, that the cross of Christ should not be emptied of its power. So what are we not to be divided on? The cross of Christ is what he's talking about this whole time. The gospel message. We're to be all in for Jesus, all in committed. And if I like strawberry ice cream and you like chocolate, it doesn't matter. Because we're united on the gospel message. We're truly, truly committed. And that's what Paul's telling the church in Corinth. You got to be committed. All right, I knew this one was going to be a long one, so I'm going to try and get us done here today. How can we be committed? How can we really wrestle with one another and have this unity? Well, here's the tough one. One of the ways we can be committed and we can be in the body of Christ together is a challenge for most of us, and it's commanded to us in James chapter 5. James says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and it's working. How can we be committed? Confess your sins to one another. Ew. I don't want to do that. Then you'll know, right? What about the other side of it? I can do that. I can pray for you. I'll pray for you. Actually, do we do that? Being all in committed to the body of Christ day by day looks like actually telling each other what we're struggling with. How can you help a brother in another body part if you don't know what they're struggling with? And here we are in American churches where we're not telling you what we're struggling with because we're not really committed all the time. 
Then we've got the other side of it where we say, oh yeah, I'll pray for you when we finally, you know, get something to pray for. Usually it's like somebody's traveling or somebody's sick. Really, really deep stuff, you know. It's not. And I say, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. Do you actually pray for them? How we can be all in committed is we can actually tell people what we're really dealing with more than just traveling in a sickness. And we can actually pray for people when they tell us the sins they're struggling with. Because if we do that, that'll be a righteous person and it'll have great power and it's working. We'll be all in committed, all in committed to the body of Christ. I basically just came up with this series because I'm pretty ornery, I think. And I feel like it's something that we need to work on. I think we need to be all in to Christ. I think we need to be all in to the body of Christ, the church. We need to find the thing that we can do in this body and not just sit here doing nothing. But I also think we need to be all in committed. All in committed. Because it's both of those things coming together. And we're in a time and place in our culture with our people. Commitment is a hard thing. But this is the place where we should be helping out each other day by day, fellowshipping day by day, worshiping Christ together day by day. And sometimes it feels like a stretch just to get you guys to stay seated in here for 40 minutes. Yeah. All in committed is something we all got to work on. So I tried this last week at the beginning. Let's try it at the end this week. Church, are you all in? I'm all in. Let's be all in. Stand and sing this last song together.